This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Court, do you like lamb and veal? And or veal? Do I? Of course. Well, you're not the only one. So for those listening out there, it's 25% off lamb and veal featuring Oregon lamb from Anderson Ranch, milk-fed veal from Provimi Family-Owned Farms. This weekend at Zupan's, October 21st to the 23rd. Very nice. And all month long, Chris, in your absence, I've been talking about this, go to your local Zupan's and enjoy a culinary journey through Japan. They've got uh, sake tastings and events that are taking place through the month go to zoopans.com you can see the tickets there but also just really great stuff in the store any time of the month including authentic japanese wagyu beef Uh, you can also get this great bento box that's designed by a food blogger and tv personality mark matsumoto and then a uh, huge variety of different things to taste and explore around the store Right. And then when this month ends, you're going to start thinking about the holidays, right? So we got November and December. What holidays do those conjure up for you? Hmm. I'm a big fan of, uh, what is it, uh, Veterans Day? Actually, yeah, I'm a big fan. I am a big fan of Veterans Day. But you're alluding to Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and uh, let's not forget Hanukkah. Right. All things, all things holiday and spiritual in both months. But yes, if you're, we've done it before, we've done it a lot. If you are looking to make your holiday preparation a little bit easier or a lot easier, Zupans is a great place where they have everything from soup to nuts. You can order uh, part of your meal or all of it. Uh, at Zupans. And as we get closer, we'll be talking in detail about the things you can order for Thanksgiving and the Christmas and Hanukkah holidays coming up. That's right. And don't forget the Cellar Z, which is located in the basement of the Burnside store. Uh, That could be a good location for maybe a family or company get together. It's one of the best private dining secrets in Portland. You can find out more about it online. Zupans.com slash Cellar Z. And of course, visit your local Zupans on West Burnside, on Macadam, or in Lake Oswego. All right, here it is. Time once again, it is Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It is right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. I'm Court Johnson, and for the first time in over a month, we are not only in the same country, we're in the same state, not necessarily the same zip code. Well, we're not in the same right, zip code. But we did we did have contact while I was in Madrid. We uh, we did the episode with Gary. That's right. Yeah. It was the, it was the unfortunate uh, uh, contact that we had. It was the unintended contact. But when uh, when you have the passing of somebody like Sarah Pliner, um, you felt it important. Gary felt it important, and we made it happen. But uh, yeah, I, I tried to give you a true vacation, Chris, by not bugging you at all. You didn't say a word, and you know, in order for me to see what was going on on the podcast, I needed to log in to see yeah. who you were interviewing and whether we were running classic episodes. So I did that, and I appreciate it. It's nice to be away, but I didn't. I don't mind having contact uh, along the way. It's not like I'm busy every second over sure. there, but it's it's nice to have a little vacation. What what is nice is to have the the. Um, 
the break from is booking guests. So I got back this week and I'm ready. I had a couple of guests I talked to. One of them was Leif Gildersleeve, who just moved down to Mexico mm. of, you know, Leaf of Flying Fish. Yeah. And he had quite an adventure moving down there through Utah, which we're going to talk to him about. We were supposed to speak yesterday, but in Mexico, he didn't have an internet connection yesterday. So... Mm. We're here with you and me discussing, just catching up. Yeah, it's a, a special edition catching up with Court and Chris or catching up with Chris and Court. I don't know who should go first. I think you have you have more, uh, probably more exciting things to share. However, uh, we you know, you, you've you been out of the country. I was out of the country for about a week. But uh, I, I, I always say out of the country because I went on a Caribbean cruise. And so I was on, on a cruise ship visiting countries. And I don't know if that really counts. Let's talk about that because, you know, I had been on a number of Caribbean cruises in my lifetime back in the, at the turn of the century yeah. when I had kids and parents and we used to do multi-generational cruising mm-hmm. for four holidays in a row around then and I enjoyed it. It was great and I like the idea of cruising, but since the pandemic, I'm thinking twice about that. I want to do an Alaskan cruise someday. Yeah. But you can tell, you can, we talked about it a little before you went, but you can debrief us and tell us how it felt on a cruise ship. Yeah, I think, I think you, you know, you've kind of hit on something that, that, uh, we, you know, that I would 100% back up. If you're looking for a way to vacation with family, multi-generational, uh, doing it on a cruise is actually a super easy way because there's so many things to do. Uh, there's something for everybody. Uh, everything's kind of built in your, you know, your, your stay and your food and all that stuff. And you, you travel, um, and you can either hang out with your family or you can not hang out with your family. Um, <laughs> which was the case for me. It, it, you know, we, I've done this twice with my extended family. When my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, we did a, um, there's a cruise that actually tours the Hawaiian islands and my mother had never been to Hawaii. And so, um, we figured that would be a super easy way for her to see all of the islands and, um, just take care of everything super easy. So we did that 10 years ago. This was their 60th wedding anniversary. And there were more of us that came along because, uh, that first trip we didn't take kids, but Randy and I, my wife were like, you know, we don't take vacations all that often. And for us to take a full week and not bring our daughters with us just seemed crazy. So, well, plus they're at the age now where it's a little more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think. Yeah, and it was. But well, no, it's always fun with kids. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it. But and and we had done cruises before. Um, I've done cruises with you know with radio station listeners, and um, we we took the the girls on a simple cruise out of California a few years ago. But it had been a few years. And almost instantly, and and again, I don't know if this is just us maturing as a couple or times are different or the pandemic has just changed your approach to everything. But very quickly on day one and two, we were like, oh, maybe we don't enjoy cruising nearly as much as we as we thought we did. The food, the food wasn't I mean, it's never like super high caliber, but it just wasn't wasn't great food. And what cruise line was we, we were on Royal Caribbean, which we've never done before, but we had always kind of, you know, had this understanding. That's a big one. Yeah, it was, it, they, they're, they're the ones that have the crazy, crazy big ships. And we were on a big right. ship, but it was actually one of their smaller ones. And we found that out when we docked in Jamaica on the first or second day. And this gigantic boat pulled in next to us that literally could have swallowed ours. It was it was nuts. But um, 
but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was fun. And, and in the end we were, we were glad we did it. It was, you know, relaxing and whatnot, but, um, you know, you go to Jamaica and it's not really the true Jamaica. If you, if you do some of the excursions that they, they offer, um, because it's, it's, I don't know, it's just a modified version of reality there. Like Jamaica is, you know, definitely not what we experienced. And then we went to a private Island in the Bahamas. So that wasn't the real Bahamas. And then we went to Haiti <laughs> And it was a secluded, not the real Haiti. And it was not definitely not the real Haiti because they don't let, <laughs> let you get anywhere close to the real Haiti. Um, but we, you know, we, we we did go on this coast tour and we got to see some things, which got both Randy and I thinking. I'm like, hey, it would be kind of cool to to try to visit Haiti. And and I, I I know that that's not recommended, but I thought let me see see what it would take. And literally like a week ago, the the State Department issued another pretty big you know travel advisory for Haiti, like. Do not go there. Um, so um, well, I'll just have to put that on the list for a few years down the road when maybe things settle down there. But um, Well, maybe you'll find some things to put before that, too, uh, on your bucket list. Well, yeah, and, there, and there's go. there's definitely uh, some th- things on our list before that we would we would go to Haiti. But, you know, I, I do got to say, you know, uh, my in-laws, my in-laws have um, a place in Mexico that we've been going down to for years and in fact for a while there we were going every year during this during the winter and um it's one of these places where it's not a typical tourist place and so you get more of an authentic experience in mexico you know you're you're kind of you're traveling like a a middle class uh, mexican family might and uh, we love it We, we love things like that where it's a little more authentic to where you're traveling as opposed to all the touristy stuff and so um, you know, right. we, we've got, we've got kind of things like that, that we would love to do, but, you know, didn't get to really experience the local food, um, the way you would want to. And, but, uh, it was beautiful and it was relaxing and, and we had a good time and, you know, we paid extra for some internet and we stayed connected because I have teenage daughters who wouldn't have it any other way. Oh yeah, that's right for them. Yeah. It's funny when I went, we didn't have that, no. but what I loved about it when we went was, so my kids were, you know, what, six and nine, somewhere around there. And my parents were, oh, in their seventies, I guess at the time. So what I loved was the fact that we could spend all day doing our own thing and then just get together for dinner. Yeah. Um, so we went on four in a row to Holland, America, which were nice. And then one time my mother thought it was a great idea to go on the Disney line for the kids. Mm-hmm. And then we got on the ship and then I took them down to the whatever club Disney it was. And my kids just kind of looked at it, looked back at me with their arms crossed and, and nodded their heads. We're not doing this. Mm. So we all went on that Disney cruise for really no reason. Right. However, uh, it was kind of crazy, but the ship was beautiful. I remember that about it. It was a nice ship. But we did go on one. The last one we went on was uh, Oceana Cruise Lines, which at the time was brand new, and uh, he's still doing it. They signed uh, Jacques Pepin to be their uh, culinary director, mm-hmm. and I have to say the food was incredible on that uh, cruise. There was, I think it was 600 people okay. as opposed to what you probably yeah. had, 6,000. No, it was 3,000, 3, but it felt like 6,000. It may as well have been. Yeah, that's too many. That's ridiculous. And, you know, it's different when you have kids. You're just looking to keep some entertainment going. I loved it because I could leave the ship and the kids were in heaven because they could have free roam, free range, sorry. They could roam and have free range on the ship to do whatever they want. They weren't going to let them off the ship. And I could be in St. John at a beach 
uh, enjoying myself. So I remember that was great. But, you know, as you get older, you know, you and Randy would probably rather not be around 3,000 people necessarily. Um, and uh, you have different priorities when you travel, which is which I guess could segue us to the travels I just had. Yeah, too. we should segue to that, Chris. But before we do, because uh, we've got some great sponsors here, we need to uh, we need to have a little word from our sponsors before we get to your travels. I think that's a great idea. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years now, Ringside has been providing the best in steaks and has been the home for the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Now featuring dining in their updated dining room and al fresco in one of the nicest outdoor dining spaces in the city. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com and while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about the exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. So picking up where we left off, cruises, I guess I'm not going to be on one for a while. Although it is, I think, a good way to see Alaska, but there are other ways too. Yeah. So. It, it, and again, I, I like we, we kind of, we started the week where we were kind of down on cruises. By the time we were an, done, we were like, okay, maybe, maybe this wasn't the, the cruise line cause to go back on. And just maybe my quick recap of or ending point to all of this is like, um, there's there's a lot of websites where you can go and kind of compare the plus and minuses of different cruise lines. So like Royal Caribbean is one of those where like you you're not you're not going because of the food. You're going more because of the all they have these crazy big ships and the things you can do on them. Mm-hmm. And there's other lines that where it's more about the food and the more adult amenities. And so that's probably what we're going to look at if we decide to do it again as a family. Or a river cruise in Europe or thereabouts would be something to look at. I know my friend Wendy just went on one, and that sounds appealing. Those are smaller ships, and they're and they're they're stopping at places that would be wonderful. Yeah. And you're not getting off the ship with three thousand other people. You're getting off with a few hundred, maybe at most. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be that appeals to me in terms of. What I'd like to do, and I love the idea of just parking oneself in one room and being able to see a lot, unlike what I just did, which was go for a month to Italy, well, to the Netherlands, to Italy, to Spain, and back to the Netherlands, and I packed 12 times. Yeah, I was going to say, how many, so, uh, so you packed 12 times, so how many different hotel rooms and or Airbnbs did you stay in? Well, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, probably nine. That's not exact, but probably nine. And I got a couple of stories. We stayed, you know, on my Portland Food Adventures trips. We stay at some really nice hotels and we really hit hit it out of the park on um, both trips. Like the Villa Athena in Agrigento on our Italy trip was fantastic. And um, we found a really sweet boutique hotel in Palermo. 
in addition to another spa we stayed at. Everything was fantastic. Spain, um, we stayed at some fantastic hotels. In we'd, we'd already been to the Hotel Grand Domine in um in Bilbao, which is fantastic, but this time we switched our San Sebastian stay to, um, should I say it or should I just let people go and look on the website to see? I don't, we don't even mention the hotel name on the website. Well, we stayed at the Arbaso in San Sebastian and that was just fantastic. They had Marshall Bluetooth speakers oh, wow. by the bed and uh, all sorts of beautiful things. It was a new hotel. It happened to have um, one of the best things that you could do in San Sebastian was eat at a non-Michelin star restaurant that is stellar. Um, so according to one of our people on the ground there, Naru, where we ate, um, uh, one night was the, is the best non-Michelin star restaurant in San Sebastian, which is saying a lot because the Michelin star experiences are very different than just going to a nice restaurant and ordering off the menu. So that was great. Why did I bring this up? Oh, we were talking about moving around. Yeah. So I moved around a lot, and we stayed at some great hotels. Um, when I called you from Madrid, it was the only time, I think, on this trip that I stayed in an Airbnb. Usually I like Airbnbs, but I have to say they're getting more expensive than they used to be. Mm. It's, the hotel value is evening out with an Airbnb and you kind of know what you're getting with a hotel. But in this case, I was going to Madrid for four days and I thought I'll do what I've done before in Madrid and elsewhere and just get a room as opposed to a whole place. I was just by myself. I had been with a lot of people for three weeks and I thought this will be nice and I'll have someone who can help me a little bit, you know, navigate Madrid and it was in a beautiful neighborhood. Well, the day after I got there, this is the first time this has ever happened, and I've stayed in a ton of Airbnbs. The day after I got there, I got a supplemental rules and regulations email from the woman, mm. and I still haven't left a review on this yet, but she indicated that I was not able to use the restroom mornings between, uh, what time was it? Uh, 8 and 9.45 a.m., because that's when she would be in the bathroom. Oh, now I th I kind of wished I had seen that before I booked this place because you know, court. I don't know if we want to get into it, but eight and nine forty-five a.m. are kind of key times to want to get dressed and get going and do some other things, right? Perhaps, yeah. Maybe if you're waking up and and well, it's just uh, I'll allude to it as best I can, Chris. You, <laughs> you wake up, you you drink you drink your first cup of coffee, and then your your body does what it does. Right. And if you don't have a second bathroom to use in a place, there's only one bathroom. Yeah. That's a little bit of a difficult proposition. Sure. So I was very unhappy with that. The place was spotless. It was in a great location. But that in and of itself just turned me off the fact that she wrote that to me. And I negotiated it down to an hour. Oh. So to have to negotiate, yeah. though... And that's something you want to have to do. Right. And then, and then uh, during that hour, I happened to get dressed and I was going to go out to a coffee shop, right? Go to a coffee shop. They have restrooms there. And I noted that for the first half hour of that hour, I wasn't able to do it. She wasn't in the bathroom. Right. So, okay. There's my bitch. And, um, <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's interesting, these conversations, because um, well, I, I think I, I've only done... 
a, a an Airbnb, maybe, maybe I, I know one time, but I'm trying to think if we've done it any other time, but we've always done like a whole house Airbnb because there's four of us. So. That's different. Yeah. And it, it's way different. And so, so hearing your experiences has probably shied me away, Chris, from ever me ever, you know, taking that leap and, and trying to do it because, you know, obviously I'm married and I have kids. I, I, I don't know when the opportunities would arise where just me as a single person would use it, but, but you've done it all the time. I've done it. And not only that, not only have I done it as a single person, I've gone with Renee and we've stayed in rooms, yeah. not necessarily all the time, but I've done it enough where I can run through in my mind all these great experiences I've had. Right. Just renting a room. Melbourne would come to mind. In Melbourne, we had, we were on the, what, the 90th floor of the highest building in the Southern Hemisphere. And those people were awesome and it was great. And we had a room and they gave, they actually let us, when we went with Nolan from Proud Mary, they, it was so nice. I said, can we just have a little welcome? cocktail in your apartment and so the guy i mean these are the benefits that you get the gentleman the host let us use his living room to meet we had what eight people there and he gave us a guided tour of melbourne from the sky oh wow pointing down there's that there's that there's that um and then you know i just recently i think i talked to you from um arcata california i was staying in this beautiful home um, and you know, they were great hosts and my dog had a great time there and he gave me coffee to take home. Those are the kind of touches that are kind of nice. It's having friends mm-hmm. in different places. So I would not dissuade it necessarily because of what I said, but in that particular instance, yeah. And you know, you can have a bad, uh, experience at a hotel too. Oh, sure. So definitely. Um, but I'm going to, I guess maybe in the future I'll ask, are there any other rules sure. <laughs> before, beforehand? Well, that, me- that one was particular strange. And then she was a little bit anal retentive, uh, maybe not the word to use, but about the cleanliness of the bathroom where she was leaving me mops and things. Right. Uh, I don't want to, that's not why, what I want to do Yeah. when I stay at an Airbnb well, or anywhere. And, and to, to your point, and I, I, I meant to follow up on this, um, it, you haven't left a review yet because you're probably still trying to figure out how passionate you are about whether these were issues for you or not. Oh, because did you know this it, no, I just, going in? No, I just, or are you it, just guessing? No, I'm just guessing because because I'm I I've really become like it's it's so interesting because we live in this world where everything is a review and people are so quick to review people without really thinking about I I don't think they think with, about what they're doing, and so I think you know oftentimes if I see a review online I I don't just read one I'll read multiple and try to try to do my own sort of aggregate of what I'm experiencing there. And, you know, oftentimes if you see a review that stands out as particularly harsh or maybe even too nice, you can sometimes go and see the other reviews they've left. And oftentimes you can find a pattern. Hey, th- right, this but- person just likes to leave bad reviews. You're, you're trying to be I- more thoughtful about it because this, this could impact this person's, I don't want to say livelihood, but their ability to, to rent the room. All right. So as long as we're talking about it, yeah. I can go deeper into this issue yeah. about reviews. So 
In fact, this woman has stellar reviews. No one ever, and lots of them, no one ever mentioned this little requirement. Yeah. So, and there were some other slight issues too. For instance, when it does say in her, in her uh, description that you, the only access I would have would be to the bedroom, the bathroom, and the kitchen, and part of the kitchen, like the refrigerator. She didn't want me cooking in there. Right. But at any rate, that's all well and good with me because I really don't plan on cooking when I'm staying in Madrid. So um, when it came time for us to do our podcast, I went to her and I said, listen, the, the street noise from my bedroom, which is another issue, um, is kind of loud. And I have a podcast I'd like to record. It's simply like a phone call. But I'd like to, is it possible I could just use the living room for 15 minutes or even the, the kitchen? And she said no. Mm. And I thought, well, that's kind of sucks so now i'm like thinking i'm gonna write a review about this experience then she came out i know she thought about it and thought about the review probably and said oh you can use the living room if it's only for 15 minutes or a half hour great so that's where we spoke from when we spoke and then i thought about it i don't know court it's kind of amusing you're not on facebook anymore but there is a group called am i the asshole right and people post all these issues usually it's couples And, you know, little issues between them. Am I the asshole or are they the asshole and blah, blah, blah. And 90% of the time, the other person's the asshole. But I decided to take it upon myself and post a, am I the asshole in this issue um, on Facebook. And I was amazed to see hundreds of responses, pretty much all of them, uh, you know, supporting me. But I had, there was another issue with the cleanliness of the bathroom. And there were people on there who were attacking me for, you know, if you're not keeping the bathroom clean, which I was, right. Um, there were that, but so anyway, my feeling on the review was going to be, do I leave this person a review? Well, let me ask everybody else and see what they think. Most people said you should leave a review to leave to inform everybody what it's like. But I thought, I still do. Mine's going to be the outlier because no one else mentioned this issue and I don't understand. Maybe I'm the only one who got this request. I don't know, but no one else mentioned it. So I'm going to be the outlier and I'm going to be that guy you're talking about who looks like he lives leaves bad reviews. But I've decided this morning... Uh, I have to re- leave a review by October 22nd. And I knew that, and I really didn't feel like thumbing one out on my re- phone right. before I got home. I thought, I'll wait until I get to my desktop. And I'm, in fact, I don't want it to be so long that that really matters. But I'm just going to say, listen, I'm gonna, the positives are it was a great location. The house was clean. Everything else was easy, except for this. I'm going to just mention this one rule, not the mop that I was left in the bathroom. Um and uh, just make a point of that, I guess. And on the other hand, I don't give a shit. I'm curious to see what she wrote about me, if anything. Usually Airbnb says, your host has written a review. If you want to see it, you have to leave a review. I haven't seen that. Right. So um, anyway, it's this world of reviews. And I don't know about you, Court, but I'm so f- tired of getting an email asking to review a conversation I had with customer service mm-hmm. or even... Even worse, the purchase experience on a website before you actually get the product that you bought. Oh, right. Sure. That makes no sense yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Ask me for if you really want a review, and I don't feel like giving you one, but 
if you really want one, how about let's go see how this whole transaction went, and then I'll give you a sure. review. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to. You should pay me to tell you what the experience was like buying the product. If that's what you want, I should be paid. That you know, years ago people got paid for research, oh, yeah. and now it's just expected. Yeah. All right, rant sort of probably over. I'm not saying I, it's I don't over. know. That this is this is rant. I, I you know I I just I you know kind of to the original kind of point of this is we live in this this rated world where you know we're being asked to rate all the time by certain companies even before we really have even made up our mind on stuff but what i would hope chris is that you know if whatever review you you put and if you end up kind of feeling like there might be some negative slant to it if somebody if somebody goes to that what what they what i would do is look at, at your other reviews and see if Hey, does this Chris Angeles guy always give bad reviews, or is this an outlier? I would hope that they would. I've do that. never done that. Yeah, so I've never done that on yeah. Airbnb, and in fact, I get stellar reviews. I look yeah. like I'm a way nicer guy on Airbnb than I am in yeah. real life. Yeah, yeah. People, people like me because yeah. I leave. <laughs> <laughs> it must must be the reason yeah. i don't know I, I, but I, um, it, it is interesting though just because you know uh, you know when when i'm you know visiting a town with with a family and we're looking for somewhere to eat and we don't have a recommendation then you do go to the yelp or you go to the different places the google reviews to try to figure out where you should eat and see what's good and what people are saying and you always find those people that had a bad experience and almost nine times out of ten when they're harsh experiences you can go and see a pattern of this person is never satisfied they're never happy their reviews are typically poor and you can just kind of cast those away but um, well the other issue is with reviews is people tend to generally leave them when they're pissed off right. and don't necessarily want to take the time you know if a place has a zillion great reviews how much what yeah. value does mine have right. that's going to say it's great? So, yeah, I, I would say over the years, and I don't participate on Yelp anymore, but I left some what – I, what I enjoyed writing were scathing reviews sure. of businesses. I never did restaurants because I was in that business and I didn't want to play that game. Mm-hmm. But a jeweler – there's a couple of jewelers that I've left scathing reviews on, and, and I enjoyed writing it. There was, a lot of it was the exercise of, of writing this and 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 memorializing it because sometimes it's fun to go revisit that and go holy shit that really happened so i mean i had a guy try to abscond with my watch because i complained that it wasn't fixed properly and it wasn't it wasn't working and he tried to keep it so um over there in hillsdale anyway so that happens but no i'm i i'm kind of halfway between i don't really care if i leave this woman a review at this point it's been two weeks since i've been there over two weeks and I may or may not, but I, I could, what everybody suggested is I had screenshots of the email, the message from her saying, please don't use the bathroom between these hours. And I don't think it's unreasonable for me to post those pictures as this is what you get when you stay right. there. Just no, so you I, know. I, I think, I think that that's helpful. I mean, you've done some things and I, and I think, I think even I have done these things before where where because you've been thoughtful about not leaving a a public review when you've had an issue you've actually reached out to whether it's a restaurant or whatever uh, them on on the side and just say hey you know this has been my experience (laughs) and to me i think that's a better way to go about it because you're not putting something that may have just been an off day or an off week or whatever you know out there in the public as, as if it happens all the time 
You got to do that. If you have the opportunity to reach out to a restaurant owner, that makes way more sense than just slamming them. And But in this case, this is not a restaurant owner. Right. This is an Airbnb host. And frankly, I, did, I was at the point after we recorded that podcast and she allowed me to use the, use the living room mm-hmm. where she wasn't. Right. I think she was even out of the house. Um, I just decided I really didn't even feel like conversing with her any yeah. longer. So I didn't. And when I checked out at seven o'clock in the morning on whatever day that was, I was happy to just leave there and leave the key and not say goodbye or not tell her that I liked her place. It was nice. It was fine. But yeah. So, all right. That's enough. But I, I have to imagine, Court, you and I aren't the only ones having these experiences and thoughts about reviews and Airbnbs and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, I hope it... Uh, I hope it generates a little thought, and anybody's welcome to, um, you know, we never get feedback. Right. Rarely. Right. How often do we get feedback? Uh, once in a blue moon, really. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I feel like we should be more controversial and piss people <laughs> off more, but but we actually go out of our way not to <laughs> piss people right. off. Whether people know it or not, there are often after a podcast, uh, there is often after a podcast, a conversation, not often, but sometimes, Yeah. hey, should we not say that? And some things get deleted because we're in a day and age, I think everybody understands, where you, you just don't necessarily need to say certain things and get into sure. it. Sure. It's, it's not that important. So, um, But I'm sure a lot of people have these issues, too. I'm going to, while I'm thinking about it, because I'm talking about traveling, first of all, let me say that... Um, the trips we take. I always say it's a public service announcement because I think, you know, we had 15 people uh, go to Basque Country, Spain with us, with the folks from Urdaneta, which would include Chef Javier, his beautiful wife, JL, who's the, you know, runs the front of the house at their restaurant on Alberta, and also Andre. Hats off to Andre, who understands how to... Um, uh, how to properly inform people that there's a great opportunity uh, available. And because of Andre, most of the people who went on this trip were there. And, and Andre is awesome. He does a lot of the helping and serving along the way and hospitality. So we have three people who are experts in hospitality on these trips. And uh, I don't know if I'm an expert in hospitality, but I think I do okay. But we had such a great time going through Basque Country and to a 500-year-old farm and uh, some incredible restaurant experiences with great people. Um, it was great. Uh, some of the issues that we encounter in doing these trips, I just there's a couple of tips I wanted to impart to people who might be traveling internationally. Um, and some of these apply to, I guess domestic trips as well. But one of the things that I had suggested to everybody coming on our trip, because we have a sort of unusual situation, um, well, even going to Italy, starting and stopping in Palermo, but especially in Spain, when we start in Bilbao and end in San Sebastian, where there's just a tiny airport that goes a few places and it came into play. My suggestion to everybody going on the trip was to stay in the host 
country flying in. So, for instance, if we're flying into Bilbao, fly into Barcelona or Madrid, major airports, and then stop for a night or two, enjoy yourselves in those cities, and then jump on either a train um, to Bilbao or or even a hour, uh, forty five minute flight in the morning, not in the afternoon when everything has a chance to to um, get on top of everything and get canceled flights and then fly into the city where you're going. Everybody who did not heed my advice, and I'm not saying I'm an expert, but this was just my, hey, if you want to have a casual experience, uh, less stressful experience, this is what I suggest, post-COVID and post-labor shortage, um, you know, stop in a city and relax and then go on a direct flight or direct train the next day. Everybody who didn't had canceled flights, lost luggage, and all that shit along the way. And, you know, I'm not in a position as the host to say, I told you so, but it was all right there. And so I'm telling people now, if you're flying if you're, you know, if you're flying into Paris, that's one thing. That's easy. Or a major airport, just do it. But if you're flying to one of, if you're going to one of these smaller cities like Bilbao, like Palermo, um, I think that's the way you want to go. And even stay away from, I did this on this trip, but I stopped. So I took, I love that Delta flight, uh, what is it, 173 or 193 to Amsterdam direct and then back. They're just direct. And then I stopped in those sit in Amsterdam for a night and on the way back for four nights and then flew back. So I didn't follow my own advice in that I used, I went to a different country because you don't know what those, the regulations are lightening up, but you don't know what all the regulations are in other countries. If you're flying into Spain, you got to fly into Spain anyway. So, um, that I strongly suggest. I'll also let you know that if you do fly into Amsterdam, they're now suggesting when you get to the airport from your hotel or wherever you happen to be, four hours in advance, no longer two or three, four. And I needed all of that. So um, I did that. I had about an hour to spare, but I don't like sweating up to the last minute. Right. Security took at least two hours to get through that, that queue, that long line took two hours. So bear that in mind when you're traveling, that it's not what it was six, five, six, three, four, five years ago. It's different now and things take longer and there are strikes and there are shortages and you want to make it as easy on yourself as possible. And I strongly believe spending a hundred bucks on a hotel room with a free shuttle to and from the airport is way less stressful than sweating a connection that you're probably not going to make. And if you don't make it now, you got to go through the airport and stand on long queues with people without masks. Um, I, I think that's a way better way to go ahead of time if you have the time. And also, don't travel if you don't have the time. Yeah. Go when you have the time to have an extra day or week or even longer to enjoy somewhere else on your own or do what you want to do. Is that a long explanation? It's just something that I, I think that's the benefit of a little season travel that I've been taking over the last, and I definitely have seen a difference this year. Yeah. Are you traveling, Chris? Um, do you travel with just a carry-on for your, your clothing, or are you taking an actual luggage? Oh, that's interesting that you mentioned that. So I 
uh, decide last. How did I go last fall or last spring? I think I took my big one. And uh, I don't want to travel with a big one any longer. By the way, most flights, you got to check it, check something anyway, if you have two. Right. Like I had a... I had a backpack, but this time I took my small little crumpler, which I don't know how many liters it is, but it's pretty small. And I managed with a 20 liter backpack and a small carry on. And I did fine. The downside to that is if you start, if you're taking a month's trip, this was a leap for me to try a month. And I like to buy stuff uh, to take a month with just too small, a suitcase and a backpack. You're starting out pretty packed, and you don't really have any room right. to add anything. But I found ways. I bought some socks and a few shirts, and there were ways, but you don't really have a lot of room. I also know that next time I do it with that's with the same equipment, I would need one fewer pair of blue jeans. I can get by with probably one fewer, a couple of fewer shirts and other things. So I would say travel with as little as possible, but I never... Uh, carried on both pieces to any, and I took six flights. So I did check it, the small one, but it's still nicer to drag that in and out of hotels, the small one with the, you know, little attachment where you put your backpack right on top of right. it. Then it is a big one that you got to roll all over the place. Just, you know, everybody's different, but, uh, and I like to pack more, than less usually, but this time I tried less. So, and that's a long answer to your question. But um, most people were looking at my what I had and said, "You're gone for a month with that," and I was able to do it without a problem. I did have one laundry opportunity along the way. That's it. So. You know, I was joking with my friend who said, how did you do that? And I said, dude, when we were in college, I used to put my cigarette ashes in my blue jeans and wear them for two months. Well, that was that was then. This is now. But still, you can wear blue jeans a lot sure. without necessarily having to, having to wash them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Watch out, Rick Steves. So, That's all I got to say. Get, getting all this great travel advice. Oh, no, I love Rick, man. And as a matter of fact, I've had great, speaking of great experiences at Airbnbs, I've had great experiences watching Rick Steves and going to cities that he suggests. Yeah. I mean, I discovered Fusen, Germany, that I, no one, I, I, I talk to people, no one's ever heard of it, and I saw it on Rick Steves, and it was one of my favorite destinations ever. So, yeah. I'm no, a big I, fan. I think I'm... Rick is probably way more seasoned than I am. He's my idol. You know, Anthony Bourdain used to be my idol, but now sure. now it's Rick Steves. Well, Rick Steves very much follows that line. However, I think he 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 literally brings a backpack with like you know basically just super basic clothing that he rotates through during during his time. Like he, it's literally one bag. It's not. It's this expandable right. weird backpack thing that he's that he's big on. But uh, uh, I'm always curious about how pe- people make it work because uh, you know when I travel, especially with my family. Um, pretty much mainly with my family, you know, and they're two teenage girls and my wife. We have probably the <laughs> largest bags going onto the plane, and they're we're way overpacked. Um, but when I travel by myself, I basically try to just carry it on. But I've I've never I've, actually I, I take that back. I was going to say we've never had a, an experience not getting our luggage. That's not true. The first time we went to London, it didn't show up for a day. But um, so you checking your luggage, you haven't ran into those issues where your baggage doesn't show up at the same time that you do. Here's why. 
if you're doing direct flights all the time, right. it's going to show. Yeah. If you're connecting, the likelihood of your luggage not showing is way right. higher. So that's one, that's one of the main reasons, and thank you for bringing that up, that I like just doing a flight one day, staying a night, and then doing the flight the next day. Your luggage is going to be sure. there. I think I'm sure some people have horror stories where they thought it's direct. I thought it would be there, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to show up. And, um, boy, I feel for you with three women in your life traveling. And by the way, that's not a sexist comment. I'm just saying it's three other people as opposed to just yourself. But, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with shoes and generally women like to bring shoes. I like to, I used to bring three or four pairs on a trip. When I have the big one, I have that luxury. When I had the small one, I had to pick one really comfortable pair of Solomon sneakers that I love and one other pair that doubled as, you know, nice shoes to go to a nice restaurant and maybe walk around a museum. And they ended up doubling as water shoes. Actually, when we were in the water in uh, Favignana, we were on a rocky coast and I had to go into that water. If you see my Instagram and see where we were, you you knew I had to go in. So I had these really nice suede born shoes that I just looked at my friend and said, well, they're going in. And uh, so those got wet and dried in a day, but you got to be a little flexible with shoes. So often you're not going to find women who want to travel with one or two pairs of shoes for a month. Right. That's, uh, that's no, a, a, a little difficult. A, a month is a, is a long time. And, and again, you know, we'll, we'll go on vacations where it's just, you know, three, four, maybe, maybe a week long. And it's still gigantic suitcases because it's, you've got to be prepared. Well, I used to give Renee a hard time for when she came to my house on the weekend, the stuff she would bring <laughs> in for the weekend. Right. But she's, I've guilted her into just down to a backpack. <laughs> you got to be prepared, come. Chris. And she's got her stuff here now. So, oh, so she doesn't go. have to bring, she doesn't, and now, well, now she's got a puppy. So now she's got to bring, I guess we can keep some of her puppy's dog food here. Yeah. We're going to have to do yeah, that. Yeah. We haven't done that yet. Well, I wanna, uh, have you seen the puppy? I have, and I wanted to talk to you about that, but we got to take one last break and uh, talk about our good friends over at Ringside Steakhouse, and we'll wrap this up with some puppy talk. How about that? That's great. Puppy, puppy bags and doggy bags. All right, Chris, let's just pause a moment here, talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. You know, I just had the good fortune to be on the snake river with chef jonathan gill from ringside and uh boy that was fantastic and he served up a little bit of wagyu and some culottes and some incredible corn that's available on their menu as a side dish so that was a lot of fun you can go to uh i think portland food adventures uh, Instagram and check out a couple of the images from there. But I will say the couple of nights before we went, my friend and I went to ringside and um, I wanted him to enjoy the best steak he's ever had. Um, and we asked Chef Jonathan to suggest which one of the three options for Wagyu steak we should have. And there's a um, A4 olive-fed um, Wagyu available on their menu. It's a, it's a premium price, of course, but it's worth it because it may just be the best steak you've ever had. And, and as I said, Jonathan served some Wagyu on the river, and we had quite a few people who were 
regular customers of ringside who said that was that was the best steak they've ever had so that's my suggestion um treat yourself to one of the three options on the menu for wagyu at at ringside yeah definitely one of the reasons why ringside steakhouse is portland steakhouse for over 78 years and we should mention you know they've gone through some different changes over the past couple of years uh, because of the pandemic but now open seven days a week back to the way it was and you can get the uh, full list of uh, hours and schedule your next reservation on their website ringsidesteakhouse.com lots of options at ringside and of course they've gone out of their way to make sure everything is healthy and uh, air is circulating and uh, ringside's a great choice very nice so as i mentioned reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com or just make it through the open table app Yeah, so Chris, you mentioned it, and I was going to ask you about this, but then I got clarification uh, following along on Instagram. Uh, earlier this week, I started seeing these pictures of, of your dog Kodak with another dog named Fuji, and I was like, wait, wait a minute. Does Chris have another dog? And I guess, in a way, you sort of do. Renee got a dog. Yeah, it's kind of the best of both yeah. worlds. It's kind of for a long time. I was telling Renee, who obviously loves Kodak and has spent a lot of time with him. She, we started dating when Kodak was uh, when I, when I'd had him a couple of weeks, so she knew him from a puppyhood, and she was always thinking about getting a dog. And I would say, don't bother. You've got. Kodak that you get to see on weekends and you don't have to pay any vet bills and you don't have to feed him and you're like the aunt or the grandparent who gets to leave. Right. And and uh, she did that for a long time. So lo and behold, I go on this trip and about four or five days in, um, well, she stayed at my house for uh, a weekend and then a few days after that, I get a picture. I said, how are you? What's going on? She said, well, I've been busy. And there's a picture of a puppy. And I was like, you know, my eyes came out of my head. And it was like, I kind of felt like, well, you didn't even ask me. And she said, well, I did. We've been talking about it for four years. And I finally decided to get one. So, um, so she got a golden doodle. Also, she was looking to get one from the same place where we got Kodak. But that was a long, long trip to Idaho. And so her... Dear daughter also has a golden doodle and offered to, uh, um, offered to get her this dog and so uh, this puppy. So there's Fuji, which started out with another name, which shall Renee remain nameless. <laughs> it's a fun story, yeah. except I love Renee and I don't want her to be feel bad about sure. it. But she came up with a name that I thought, oh, you know, I think it could be a little better. And so I thought about it and I thought, well, we got Kodak and Kodak was named because Oakley, who's also another brand name, by the way, but Oakley was so photographed during my 17 years with him. I thought, well, maybe Kodak should, the new dog should be named Kodak. Not that, but you know, that's as close an association to photography as one can have nowadays wouldn't want to call them iphone and uh so having had kodak i thought fuji was a cute name and she immediately took to it and changed the name to fuji that minute so 
very cute. They're both. So she also took the opportunity while I was away to take advantage of the concept of Kodak mentoring Fuji mm-hmm. and showing him how to act in a car and elsewhere, which he did because Renee reports that the first two hours Fuji was in a car, he was out of control in the back of the car. Then she took both of them to Tahoe in the back of her car and the whole way there, Fuji was taking the cue from Kodak to just sit still. And the dog, in every single way I can imagine so far, is very well behaved because Kodak is the only time Kodak isn't really well behaved is when he gets excited when you come to the house. Yeah. Then he jumps. He's getting better at that. But but that little Fuji is so well behaved and goes to the bet goes is house trained and comes when you call him and he's only like 13 weeks old now. So there's that. But again, uh, if I'm to suggest to any listeners, it's a great idea when you get a puppy to have another well-behaved dog to uh, teach them the ropes on being a good dog. And, uh, you know, my, my old philosophy was because Kodak was so old, do it when the dog is old so that they teach them how to be a good dog. In this case, Kodak's only four, but Fuji's going to be the beneficiary, and so is Renee. And so am yeah. I. We're traveling in uh, the holidays with both dogs. So I'm, I, you know, I'm hopeful that it's going to be a stress-free experience because traveling with Kodak is pretty stress-free now. Yeah, I can uh, definitely, uh, you know, I guess the term would be I can co-sign what you're saying right there, Chris. Uh, as you know, because just before you went on your, your vacation, we got our own little puppy here. Now, while our dog Charlie, our older dog, isn't as well behaved as I think your your Kodak in Oakley was, we got we got Charlie. Um he was close to a year old. I think he was maybe nine or ten months, and he'd been out on the street, and so he never really socialized with A with other dogs, with other people. Uh, within a home. So we had to, we had to, you know, house train him. Um, and because of that, he's kind of got these quirks, we'll call them quirks um, that, uh, you know, I don't know that he'll ever get over just because that was where his formative uh, months when he was out on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but little, little Leo uh, is like, he, he took to uh, house training super quick because that's the one thing Charlie does really well. And so just all those little things. So I'm almost thinking, and Leo does a bunch of other things really well. Like he's great in, in a car and going to sleep and all that stuff. I'm just like, maybe I can get Charlie to take after his little brother now and figure all this out. But mm-hmm. it definitely, it, it is one of these things. And you pointed it out is just kind of watching a puppy from that young, young age, learning things. Um, you know, Randy and I sat there and watched Leo and Charlie event. You know, Charlie didn't know what to think about it at first, but then eventually to just see them sit there and play for like hours on end is just, you know, they're, they're your kids. They feel like your kids and you just, you take pride in it and it feels great. It makes you happy. That's one thing I've learned about dogs. They, especially a well-behaved dog never pisses me off and only makes me happy. That's it. Just provides joy in one's life. You know, we probably don't have time, but I was going to ask you just get into the discussion of rescues versus puppies from breeders. Because I've gone through my share of guilt about what I've done. But just to say, I strongly believe in rescues um, or rescuing dogs that need to be rescued. I also kind of feel like um, I've had, well, I, I know I fostered rescues for a little while, a few years 
back and I had some bad experiences yeah. and saw some bad experiences. I also know people who worked for rescues who ended up getting puppies <laughs> from breeders. Um, that does not mean that getting a, a rescue isn't a great idea. However, let me ask you what you think about this. My feeling is that you're not teaching. It's kind of like politics. You're not going to teach breeders a lesson no. by you're going to get a dog at a rescue and not getting a puppy. They're going to sell that puppy anyway. And that puppy needs a home yep. just like the, the rescue dog does. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so, I, I think, I think it, it, it's unique and individual to, to each person. Like there are some families where getting, getting a puppy you know, from a breeder or whatever is going to just make the most sense for whatever, whatever reason. There's other families where they they have the ability to, to take on a rescue in different ways. We, I mean, you know, both, both of our dogs are rescues, but Leo quite literally is, is this baby puppy um, that, you know, I, he, he looks like uh, he's like a teacup, not a teacup, but like an applehead chihuahua. <laughs> he, he, he looks like a dog that you would get from a breeder. He's that mm -hmm. adorable, but, but he's a, a, a true rescue and, um, but it, but it doesn't matter. So we, we kind of get the benefits of maybe pulling from, from a breeder in terms if, you know, I don't, I don't know how much people care about uh, pedigree anymore, but, um, but I don't care about pedigree. Yeah. I just want to have a good experience and I, not to interrupt you, but I've had excellent experiences with puppies who I have bonded with when they were tiny yeah. little things. And in every day, right up to when they're 17, I still see that puppy right. in them. And I love that. That means a lot yeah. to me. No, um, and, and I also know that there are people who look at me and go, you're the worst person in the eh. world for not getting a rescue. I, 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 to me, those people kind of have their own, own that that's on them. That's, that's not on you because you're, you're doing such good things. But like I, you pointed that out to me because it was pretty amazing bringing leo in as a puppy and then you know even though we got charlie when he was nine or ten months old he was still kind of very puppyish in a lot of ways and i start it started to come back to me just this remembering charlie that way and charlie kind of reverts mm -hmm. to that kind of puppy self in his playfulness with leo and it was it, it's just been really great so i it, it again I, I think it's to the individual the family needs i mean to your point you know we we got inspired shortly after charlie came around where we were like we're not quite ready to have another dog but we want to be helpful to all these these animal groups and and whatnot that have to bring in and it, so we decided we would foster we would foster a dog so we we actually brought in another dog another terrier whose name uh, was not charlie but it was chuck and chuck was nice nice and gentle at times but he would suddenly bite you so like randy got bit a couple of times and so um, we eventually, you know, we, we couldn't foster him very long just because of, for some reason, Chuck didn't like Randy or it was, it was this strange thing. And so those are some of the things you have to, the families have to think about when they are adopting or fostering dogs is that when you're rescuing a dog, you don't know the type of trauma they've been through. And in some cases, families just, they, they, they don't, they can't be prepared for that. They don't have the, you know, they just don't have the ability. They might have young kids in the family. So getting a puppy from a breeder is the better way to go. And that puppy needs a home yep. too. It's alive. Yep. And I will, you know, the, when I, back when I fostered a few dogs, I think, oh, 15 years ago, maybe it was in, when I lived in Oregon, there was one dog that was friendly with, Co with Oakley and then would snap at him. And like, I was like that, we can't have that. So I helped find 
a home for that dog. I, I said, well, if I can't keep him, I'd like to be in contact. Well, I found him a home, and uh, a few years later, um, I found out that, that that dog, who will remain nameless, bit off the owner's nose, hook, line, Oof. and sinker. Yeah. And I thought, I'm glad that wasn't me. Although my nose could use a little shortening. Sure. That's a lot. And, and so, and it, it affected their relationship, the couple's relationship, every, all the trauma that went into yep. that. So, oh, yeah, no. D- that affected my thinking yep. with rescues. No, it, it, it is one of those things where, um, you know, I, I think anybody with, with pets or that have been, been through the adoption process or, or, or you know, deciding that they're going to get a puppy or what, whatever the, their background is will kind of know the strain that can put on into the fi- family dynamic. Because we, we saw this with just recently with, with our dog Leo is, you know, Randy was kind of the catalyst for it. But then once it was kind of happening and we, we only had only seen a picture of Leo and then we went and picked him up and realized that he's this teeny tiny dog. That's not going to get too much bigger. Um, and just kind of how helpless puppies are kind of at the beginning. Um, it was just like, Oh wait, this is like a full commitment again. We're kind of back to having like a newborn in the house for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it, it put a little bit of of strain and stress on the relationship just, just from, from that alone. And I think those are some of the things where people don't think about that going in there like, Oh, we'll get a dog. It'll be easy. Like, no, no, it's easier than a child though. That much I can say it's way easier than a child. You just, you're going to lose some sleep in the first six months. Hopefully that's it. But you know, I've had nothing but great experiences, even though I've cleaned up a lot of shit and vomit and all that stuff, but nothing but great experiences and to go full circle, Renee's little puppy is just a little sweet little joy, and it's really fun to have Kodak have a little playmate on weekends. Not all the time. Yeah. He's fine as with, with me being the alpha. He's fine. Now, I also realized, Court, we had just alluded to the fact that we don't get a lot of feedback on the podcast, and we just set ourselves up for some pretty negative feedback. Yeah, possibly. So, um, I hope not. I hope people understand. There's nothing, you know, I... Here's long ago when I was getting Kodak, there was a woman in Manzanita I ran into who's really pro rescue, and I commend her for yep. that. I think it's great. And we ran, I ran into her on the beach, and I said, Oh, it was with Oakley. And I said, We're getting a puppy. And she said, Where are you getting the puppy? I said, Well, Idaho. And she said, You're not get what about the local shelter? We, you need to get a dog from the local shelter. And I was just started with, Ah, ah. And she, basically looked at me, gave me the finger, mm-hmm. and walked away from me. Now, we had been friends, yeah. and that was it. That really affected me. I'm like, wow, it's that important to you? And then when she actually ran into Kodak on the beach, she walked away from him. Mm. So how much of a uh, an animal lover are you if you can't even recognize your own shit and just like look at this little puppy and go, oh, that dog. Right. I should say hello and welcome him to the yeah. world, the, the city. Anyway, yeah. all right. So, so should we have the discussion and cut that whole nah, thing? We'll, we'll keep that in. I, I think it was it was a very <laughs> uh, very honest conversation. That I, I you know I I don't want to say that we were that we were I, I, I we were over overly sensitive, but I think you know I, we weren't. Yeah, I, I think it's good, Chris. Now you're making me. I think it's now good. you're making me second guess myself. But I think it was a good conversation. No, no. The the other thing is for those of, who happen to have listened to this as the first right at the fork episode. This is not what it's nope, usually not like. at all. 
We actually talk about food and the people in the food scene. That's what it's about. And we'll be back next week and the week after that and the week after that with episodes uh, to that effect. And uh, you're certainly welcome to go back in our archives and listen to some of the interviews we've had. You know, it's getting just one thing that I wanted to discuss. We didn't court is it's getting interesting as producer of the podcast producers Mm -hmm. to find guests now because for years i was in the middle of everything i knew a lot of people i'm of a certain age um and now we don't have we don't have a lot of the folks that have been a mainstays of the portland food scene in the market anymore so um there's lots but like Vitaly is Vitaly Paley's gone. The Gorms are gone. Andy Ricker's gone. Uh, some of my favorite interviews ever: Ken Forkish, David Machado. Mm-hmm. Those guys are all gone, and so um, you know we have to learn who some of the newer players are and ta- and talk to them. And we're doing that. Um, you know, we had the folks from Gato Gato on, and uh, I had the oca- occasion to have. Um, my dear friends, uh, Elena and Ryan Roadhouse uh, of Notoguro fame over the other night to have wine under the stars. And they gave me some great ideas uh, of people they know that I'd never heard of. And so if anybody has any ideas, good ideas, dynamic guests who are fun to talk to, certainly let us know. And uh, we're happy to follow up with them. So, um, yeah. So if you never listen to this podcast, stay with us. Subscribe. We shouldn't be saying that at the end. We should be saying it at the beginning. Um, but hey, if, you, and, if they've uh, made it this far, Chris, uh, that, that's pretty great. Yeah, and the other part is those people who have been listening to us for all or part of our Cohen on, was it nine or ten years? Uh, it's, so we started in 2014, so that would be is, nine. This is our, this is our eighth, eighth. We're wrapping up our We're eighth We're completing year. eight yeah, going, going nine. on nine in that's January. Right. So for those who've been listening for all or part, then I would hope that they at least know us well enough to have wanted to hear what we have to say about you. Sure. So um, I hope, but who yeah. knows? I love our, our intros when we do rants and stuff. Those are some of my favorite parts, mm-hmm. but we're a little, we're, we are uh, mindful of the fact that not everybody wants to hear that. They're tuning in to that's hear why, the interviews, they, and we're glad yeah, about that's that. That's why they invented skip buttons. Not that we recommend that you do. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, no, no. There's no such... What's skip sure. button? I don't yeah, know of any are. such thing. All right. Okay, Court. Thank you, listeners, everybody. Thank you, sponsors, Zupans and Ringside. And thank you, Court, for picking up the slack when I was gone. And uh, we're hoping to have you in the interviews a little bit more going in. I'm going to put the pressure well, on you by saying and, that publicly. And, and I've, I've been doing some of the, these interviews in, in your absence, and I'll continue to try to do so. Right, but I also like when you're oh, there. Sure. Yeah, when I'm doing the interviews, you know, when we were in the studio, you were always, always there. there. You could add something to yeah. it. So this is a whole different uh, situation, and I've gotten used to doing it remotely. I'm very happy to be sitting in my in my home right now, not having to drive into right. Portland. Although when I when we did the podcast on Mondays, that was always my catalyst to do stuff in Portland, have social engagements, business engagements, and now I'm there much less than I used to. Sure. So um, that I, we had going for us, but I still like being here. So, and I like that everybody's out there. Stay with us. Thank you very much for bearing with this and us for going on. We're we're just about starting our ninth year. 
Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Thank you.